One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ladies and gentlemen, two men from opposite ends of the physical, cultural, and emotional spectrums, Flats and Shanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode eight. Is it eight? Of our weekly podcast, number eight. I'm David Flatman. I'm Tom Shanklin. Hiya, Tom. Hiya. How you doing? Yeah, all right. How are you? All right. Where are we? Tell us where uh, we are. We are at my mother's house, which is very close to your house, but mm. you have the cleaners around, cleaning yeah. the fortress. <laughs> Um, so it's nice and quiet here. Yeah, a little shrine of myself, obviously. Yeah. So you're, if you see the picture for this podcast, it's just there's just Shanks memorabilia everywhere. You had a, uh, a cup of me, didn't you? I had a cup. I had a cup of How tea. Actually, I no. Well, I had a fake cup of tea for the picture, but then Shanks said, "Do you actually want a cup of tea in there?" I said, "Yes," and he hasn't made me one. So um, yeah, Pinocchio has not made me a cup of tea. But we're in Shanks's mum's kitchen. It's a shame, really, because I could have asked you how I tasted. Uh, <laughs> I've been here before, haven't I? Always with you, though, Tommy. Never been here without you, as far as you know. Yeah, well... But there's a nice pub around the corner. You and were my, you were my little sister's favourite, weren't you? I was, yeah. She was my favourite. Still is, actually. Still is, in, in many ways. Um, this is getting inappropriate now. So what have you been up to? Pretty quite a week, mate, to be honest. Busy one last week, didn't I, with that 24-hour cycle? Oh, yeah. Um, mate did it, Reese Blumberg, the only person I know that can cycle for 24 hours and put on weight. It's incredible. It's incredible, yeah. It's well incredible. done, um, uh, Nothing really this week. Hosted a dinner on Thursday night yeah. for a financial company called Bartholomew Hawkins. And lovely place, mate. It's called the Cornerstone in Cardiff. It's a redeveloped church. Yeah. So that's, the acoustic sounds were incredible. And we had Only Men Allowed singing. Have you heard of them? No. Who are they? A bunch of girls who get up. No. Yeah. Men. They they won last choir standing a few years ago, and they're uh, a choir. Yeah. Right. But they're like a hip choir. You know. They, they... Oh, like making religion cool. Well. Do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, God? <laughs> like, they're like the street bible or whatever it's called. It's not cool. It's just not. Ah, oh, God, bantering. Yeah. Um, no, they were. They won last choir standing, and there was about thirty of them back in the day. But now there's only seven. So. More money to go around, I say. Do you reckon they've just cut off the stragglers to up the dough? A little the ones bit? who can't really sing. The so tenors in the back. So you were, you were hosting it, were you? Yeah, yeah. So they were, but they were singing like funky songs as well. They, wow. they sung 
John Farnham, You're the Voice, and it had like some sort of porno beat going to it. Yeah, now, 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 now. Yeah. yeah, that sounds all right. And it was good. Do you remember, were you ever around Bath? Because Shanks' mum lives in Bath, but were you ever around Bath when um, Pavarotti, uh, Placido Domingo, and the the other lad, um, Andrea Bocelli, was it? So anyway, the, the three tenors came to the Royal Crescent. Were you ever there? Yeah. Do you know how much it cost to get in? Tenor? 30 quid. Really? Three tenors. <laughs> Terror. <laughs> anyway, oh. the best part about that was that Matt Perry, the old Bath Lion, England Lions fullback, he lived right at the end of the Royal Crescent. Just not, not, he lived basically in the buildings that are the windbreak for the okay. Royal Crescent. The pikey houses at the end, they're still really nice. And Pavarotti has to have a special mattress. Big, we had to have the late Pavarotti, may he rest in peace. Had to have a special mattress. Big fella, certain requirements when it comes to sleep. So he slept on it for one night. And then his cleaner was also a cleaner. At, and she was also my cleaner at the time. And she was also cleaning at Royal Crescent Hotel. So she says, does anyone want this mattress? And I'm thinking, yes, I will have Pavarotti's mattress. But it's too late because Matt Perry's got it. Oh. So Matt Perry, to this day, sleeps on Pavarotti's mattress. How about that? Is it a big one? It's enormous. He retired at 29 with a bad back. So maybe it didn't work out too well for him. Do you sniff it every night? Oh, God, I don't, I don't oh. know. I hope not. I hope Why would you want someone else's mattress, though? That's... Pavarotti, mate. Still, he's big, he sweats. You know, he's going to have eczema. Yeah. It's not going to be great under there, is it? No. Under that DJ. Anyway, um, are you going to ask me what I've been up to? Uh, yeah. So, my man, what have you been up to? You've been busy. I heard oh. you on the, uh, on the airwaves. Loads of stuff, Tommy. Um, but before I was on the airwaves, I was... I actually did a dinner in a church as well last week. Did you? Yeah. Little church in Bath. It's kind of a little, um, believe it or not, you you did a dinner in a church for no men allowed. Only men sorry, allowed. Sorry, only men allowed. <laughs> bit sexist. It's a bit sexist, sorry. And I yeah. did one uh, for like a woman's, basically a woman's writing club who did do a meet in a church. And it was super, super nice. And I had to watch my language a little bit. So I think they, I've met a few of them before in Bath and they said, look, we want you to come and talk at our church, but can you not swear too oh, much, please? Right. They're your mates. So you just, you've done something for your mates, have you? Just a great guy. Yeah. Um, so I did this uh, sort of a talk and a Q&A. It was really good fun because none of them knew anything about anything I knew anything about and it was and vice versa. So it was actually quite... And they liked the decanter story, did they? They liked that and the, yeah. the kidnap in South Africa. And hiding and in the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. The bed. Naked. Yeah, I yeah, mean, all that yeah, stuff. They yeah. love, they love oh. all that touring stories. Um, top snogger. They love all that. Um, but we had a very, very nice people. And um, it's quite interesting because the first question, so I did a little talk and then someone asked me a question and the first question they asked me was, do you believe in God? And it was like, poof, you know, and everyone was like, whoa, what's he going to say? And I was like, actually, no, but I don't mind that you do, like my mum and dad do, my sister does, lots of my friends do, lots of my best friends really, really believe in all that stuff and that's absolutely fine. So I kind of, I quite like that environment and I think they didn't mind that I'm not a spiritual person, but I was, I'm, I'm happy... You know, believe what you want. What did you say? You were a Jedi? Uh, yeah, I said I'm, yeah. I'm so a Jedi enough people have put that on the um, census. Yeah, that's right. It, be- it becomes a religion, yeah. isn't it, or something. Yeah. Um, anyway. A barbecuist, I am. But anyway, we, it was very, very nice. So I did that. Uh, that was very nice. But I went up to Edinburgh on Saturday for the European Challenge Cup game between Edinburgh and Quinns. That's and, right. you know, as, as people often say to people like us, God, you get to travel so much. Really cool. Weekend in Edinburgh. It's not actually how it is. What, Did you go out? No. What what we do is you get up at four thirty in the morning at home in Bath. Standard. Get to standard. Do your setups and press ups and charity work. Yeah. And then you go early flight from Bristol. You get to Murrayfield about three hours early. Mm-hmm. Um, four, five hours early, 
And as soon as the game's finished, you are legging it out of the commentary box to get a taxi to the airport and fly back on your delayed flight, which gets you back to Gatwick and then back to your hotel at one in the morning. So it ends up being about a 20 hour day, which is mm. not a complaint. It's not a complaint. But it You're is. You're just filling us in, aren't you? So we know. Just so you know what it's about. So for the yeah. 80 minute game, it's a 20 hour day. But it was actually. Um, I actually think it was one of the best games of the weekend. It was great. We'll talk yeah. about that in a minute, but exactly. it was really, really yeah. good fun. It was um, a good game. Really good fun. And then on Sunday, I was in the studio with um, fellow rugby icon, Brian O'Driscoll, 148 caps between us. Wow. So, um, yeah, I think five or six lines caps. Anyway, we... Well, you had a couple of sparkles on your jumper, didn't you? There's a blue jumper and there's a little few blue jumper. sparkles. Was it sparkles or... It was either sparkles or dandruff. How can you have dandruff when you've got no hair? Maybe it's beard dandruff. Well, do you know what dandruff is? It's flaky scalp. Yeah, but don't you have to have hair for that? Oh, you've got a little bit. Have I got a flaky scalp? Um, it's very shiny. Thank you. <laughs> bit of Ron Seal would seal on there. Thank you, thank you very much. But halfway through the day, uh, Brian O'Driscoll started um, taking the mickey out of, um, I think it was Hugo Mola, the Toulouse coach. Okay. Because he had this grey beard and he's like, why would you have a beard when you've got grey hairs in it? And then he kind of looked at me, saw some of mine and it all went a bit awkward and I attacked him physically. Um, but yeah, I had a great time. So late night last night, it's now... Monday lunchtime, for your reference, where we're recording mm-hmm. this in Tommy's mum's kitchen. So, a bit of a late night. And um, I, I was due to go on. The reason, look, let's cut to it. We had a really nice guest lined up for this show that was going to come on really early this morning. Um, and because I was going on holiday with my family, only to Devon. Yeah, that's still a holiday, mate. It's Even still if you're not going abroad. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that. we got a little shoebox down there. And it's really nice. My favourite place to go. Got a little rib down there, haven't you? Got a little rib down there. Take the kids out. Yeah, it's lovely. So that was happening. But there's just so much work on this week that I actually had to say to my wife late last night on the way back from BT Sport, I just don't, I just can't come on holiday. So um, bit of an awkward conversation. She has gone on holiday with our kids this morning and left me at home with the dogs. She's not angry. How did you leave it? She's disappointed. Did you give her a kiss goodbye? And was I it, did. It was, was all friendly. A, I love you in there, or yeah. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Um, loads of those, but it, it was. Um, she's actually great and supportive, but it's it's one of those things where I'm, you know, effectively work freelance like you do a lot of the time, and people offer you things to do, and I've got a lot to do this week. It just couldn't go. And also, Kenroy's really good with the kids as well, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Plays them all the time. Yeah. He's great with them. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're here. This is just me and Flats today. Um, we've got a few good things on the show coming up. Uh, we'll talk about the it's announcement. A it's not a show, it's a cast. I know, I always get it wrong. All right, okay. on this cast. It just doesn't sound right saying cast. No. We're going to talk a little bit about the Welsh squad that's been announced and the release of George and Jamie, whether or not they're going to get released, they've got full release. There's a lot of... Yeah. Ums and ahs at the moment, isn't there? Yeah. Um, we're also going to look at the Henry Spates disallowed try. Um, mm. Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Fairly big talking point that was over the weekend. Yeah. We're going to talk about a couple of the yellow cards mm. from the weekend. Um, I guess we'll talk about Keith Earl's red yeah. in a sec. But, that, but there's a couple of yellow cards that were just mindless for me. I'm going to get through as many questions as we can from you, the listeners. Yeah, we've had kind of an unprecedented influx of questions. Very random well. ones as well. Yeah, there Love are. Them. More random, the better. Yeah, and ideally, really, really personal. That's what we really like. And um, obviously, if you want to get in contact with us, go on Twitter, at Flats and Shanks. Go on our website, which is flatsandshanks.com. Email us, which is contact at flatsandshanks.com. Facebook. Facebook. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Bats and shanks. Yeah, amazing. Mm. My Facebook page. Has anyone followed it yet? I don't even have Facebook on my phone. That's how bad I am. Uh, one, yeah, we get a couple of likes now and again on Facebook. and I'm happy with that. Quite a few people share it. so I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. So the Welsh squad was announced yes. last week. Yes. No real surprises for me. Toby Falatau included in the squad. He's injured. Yeah. Shows you... So why have they included him if he's injured? Because there's a chance he'll play. And there's no real number eights of his quality. Like Dan Baker from mm. the Ospreys is, is pretty good, but not to the level Falatau is. So if there's a chance he'll play, he's included. I suppose yeah. the biggest omission from the squad would be someone like Tom James. Yeah, I thought so. Cuthbert got the nod ahead of him. Cuthbert got the nod. Yeah. Um, so and Hallam Amos as well. Yeah. Um, but he's been playing very well for Cardiff. Scored quite a few tries already. He's had a couple of man of the match performances. They picked him at the start of the last Six Nations, didn't they? They didn't. Remember, he didn't finish off that try against Scotland. It was yeah. either an intercept or something, and he was down the left-hand touchline. Yeah. And Duncan Taylor eventually caught him. Yeah. With an angle, um, he probably should have finished off that try, and he admits that himself, but. Ever since then, he's not been included, and his form's been great. So you either fit the bill or you don't, and they probably see someone else like Hannah Amos or Alex Cuthbert with more potential than him. But in terms of form, he's up there at the moment. Yeah, it's like David Strett with England, isn't it? I mean, yeah. he played for England a few times, and I actually thought he was really good for England, but he seemed to be on sparkling form season after season in the Prem, and they just wouldn't pick him. So he thought, sod it, I'll go to France and get paid. And it's, um, it's an interesting one, that, and I saw lots of people objecting to that the Welsh people objecting to that on social media saying once again form has been ignored mm. um, and to a point there is definitely that that's true because Tom James I would argue is in better form than Alex Cuthbert but but actually I, I don't I just don't think you 
coaches at international level pick on form anywhere near as much as the public think they should or want them to because what you've done in an international jersey as recently as possible or in the sort of recent mm. past I think is more important to international coaches than what you're doing every week at your club yeah especially if they know exactly what they're going to get when you put that international jersey on and yeah. how you're going to fit into the team and the game yeah. and everything like that um, a few worries with Liam Williams for his ankle at the weekend Scott, Scott Williams, Williams yeah. another one George North Jake Ball hurt his ribs as well yeah yeah um, so there's a few worries but they but don't George, sound but George North getting injured might save Saints 60 grand that because he might have be able to play in that test that's outside the window might he exactly exactly there's the issue is they've got is the Australia game is outside the test window that premiership rugby limited allow them to play in yeah so um, Jamie I think has full release from his club but it's whether then Harlequins will get fined right um, so Northampton were fined last year for the release of George North they got fined 60 grand but also there's um, well, Jamie, Jamie can just give back a month's wages can't yeah. be right <laughs> Yeah, can I pay you in euro? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's cash, all right. Yeah, check the ashtray. Yeah, here's my here's my solo card. Use yeah, um, Ross Moriarty. Yeah, you know, I think he will be massive for Wales this mm. year. Um, Gloucester not doing too well at the moment. Yeah, you know, but if there's a player standing out for them at the moment, it's him. They've got to find a way to keep Ross Moriarty beyond the end of his contract. His carrying so ability, mm. his his aggression, his tackling, his clearing out yeah. the rucks. He's a he's a monster. I think he's brilliant. And you said before on this. Podcast, you think he'll be starting at six? I think he will. I think he has to. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they might start him at eight with Fallatown not there, so they can possibly. start Lydia as well and Tipperick. As he, I don't know if he's played much eight, though. I know you back rows are probably all played a little bit, packed down a couple of times at eight, but... Yeah, num- number eight seems basic enough until you see someone who hasn't done it before do it, and it's actually, like every position on the rugby field, difficult. It is. You know, six and seven is a massive difference, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, seven, you're normally first at the ruck, six, you're sort of following behind. It's, yeah. it's completely different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no real shocks there. Just need everyone fit because we don't have the strength and depth, I don't think, that a lot of, uh, well, like England would possibly have. Paul James left out as well. Yeah. Reskill. Um, Reskills in, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's playing really well though. And Paul James hasn't played a huge amount at Ospreys, but um, good on Reskill. He's he's a he's a good man, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Did he have his hair done? He did. Yeah, one of the guys who had his hair done. I mean, I now call it an Andy Good. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, Thomas Waldrum's had it done. Henry Thomas has had it done. Loads of the boys. Has Jamie Roberts had it done? Don't know. Not yet. But every time I tweet him, I include Advanced Hair Studio. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> it won't be long. He will hates it. It, it won't be long. It. But I was watching um, I was watching BT Sport yesterday, and Andy Good was on there. And I cannot look away from his hair. All I'm doing is looking at his hair the whole time. But the thing is, mate, when you've got a face like that, it's not a bad thing, is it? No, true. Just a joke. Just true. a joke. True. I, love, I love Alan's face. Um, I haven't had mine done yet. I have had a couple of emails and a couple of tweets saying, hey, mate, do you fancy getting involved? But it's a big job for them. Would you? No. What's the point? Uh, takes too long to get ready then, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not bothered, mate. I, I, I like, you know, I... Lots of people who say they don't really care what they look like don't really mean it. I care a little bit in that I, not today, but often when I'm on telly, I'll try and dress smartly and wear nice shoes. That's the end of it. And if you, if it was too long, your hair, there's a chance you would get mistaken for Sonia from your standards. Yeah. yeah. That's who you if, look like. But the thing is, you've got to grow it out at the side and back so they've got enough hair to cut out and stick in the top. And because my top bit is so bald, like yours, and there's so much of it that's bald, They'd have to take out loads from the side and back, so I'd have to go full Terry Nutkins. Not as bad as you, mate. I'm. Uh, you are, mate. Mine, mine's down. blonde. Mine's blonde. You are as bad as me. But I'd, I'd have to put. I'd have to go full Terry Nutkins before they um, 
sort of cut it all out the back and plug it in the top. And I'm not, I'm just not up for that transition <laughs> zone. I'm not up for that. So, so we have to talk about um, Australia, New Zealand, or New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. Even um, it's crazy to think there's three games left and New Zealand won it. Yeah, I know we've we've talked about this, but anyway, the massive talking point was Henry Spate's disallowed try. Yeah. Nigel Owens gave it as a disallowed try. Um, there was certainly a little bit of movement from Haylett Petty on Julian Savi. He runs his line. He definitely gave him a nudge. Yeah, he he makes he makes a conscious effort to run into him. He's he doesn't hold his line. line. He changes his line to make contact with Sarvea. However, Sarvea would not have caught Spate. Not catching him. No, no way. But is that the point? Isn't the point that he's not being given a fair chance to catch him because um, Haylett Petty is effectively cheating? And I look at that from a rugby point of view. And Good, I'm glad you do. But I mean, and as, as kind of a, a rug, you know, let the boys play. And I think that's a try because no matter what um, Haylett Petty does, Julian Sarve is not catching him. And Justin Marshall, who is a former All Black, of course, yes. says so on the commentary. And I, I really like that when he's clearly neutral. And I then like you've got that. Rod Kafer saying that Nigel Owen should never ref a test match again. But I suppose yeah. the most important thing was at the time, it was 15 10. It was really to important. New Zealand. It was really important. So and that try levels it, possibly yeah. with a kick. Yeah. Australia go in front. Yeah, and it, you know, and it, it's, it's a really important moment and it could turn the game. We don't know if it would or it did or it didn't, of course. But it, I, I look at that and think it's really hard because as a player, that's a try all day long. Mm. But as a ref, has someone cheated and stopped Julian Sarvea having a fair chance? What if he dived and got a tap tackle, but he couldn't because he was barged out of the way? So I'm inclined to say that is a try. I'm also inclined to defend Nigel Owens. So I don't normally sit on the fence, but I'm going to say Julian Sarvea wouldn't have caught him, but Haylett Petty's not allowed to do that. So it shouldn't be a try. Leave it there. Mm. I think Rod Kafer disagrees. And he knows his onions, to be fair. But saying that Nigel Owen should never rest a, test, a ref a test again is bloody stupid. Petty, isn't it? Dane Haylett Petty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, this is, we're just continuing our chat, by the way, yeah. Juliet. Also, um, before the New Zealand-Australia test at the weekend, um, a New Zealand newspaper had Michael Checker painted up in his Aussie jersey, dressed as a clown. Brilliant. Um, now, I look at that and think, that is disrespectful. It's a bit Tom Petty. But... Yeah, exactly. yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, it's how do you, how do you um, react to that? And I kind of, I wanted Michael Checker and Stephen Moore to react to that with a laugh, and say that is actually that's gold. Yeah. I wouldn't say that is actually very funny. That is Aussie um, gold. Or say you silly billies in the press over here. You know, I just, I just think, you know, the journalists, uh, the journalists did that for, you know, to amuse their own readers, but also to annoy the Aussies. And it to get worked. a reaction. Yeah, that's what I, they've done. I think don't give them that. And no. actually, it is test rugby is a serious business, but I just, I always love it when these guys in positions of power don't take themselves too seriously. It's like when you get, someone calls you a name and you react to it and the name's stuck with you. Yeah, so everyone calls me Arnie and it's like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was going to use the example of why I got called Sloth. I said, what? What are you on about? It's disgusting. And they yeah. just called me sloth for a while then. Yeah. To the point where they dressed me in a uh, Superman t-shirt for, yeah. a, uh, for a kangaroo court. Yeah. And fed you, fed you chocolate. I was only allowed to say fed hey, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Baby roof. Well, you're not only, hey, you're only allowed to say that. Because I had a little bit of hair as well, so it looked even worse. Um, yeah. I remember um, one of our kangaroo courts, I think we're going to talk about kangaroo courts in a minute, but I remember one of them, well, loads of them, 
but one of them in particular, one of the lads, um, he didn't play for any of the clubs. He was just a mate of mine and a couple of lads at Sarries. Went to school with some of the lads. And um, he just said, can I come to the Christmas party? And we, it's fancy dress. You're going to wear a mask. No one will know I'm not one of the team. Can I just come on yeah. the lash? So he said, you can, but we've got to choose the outfit and we've got to choose the act kind of thing. So we put him in a Jack Nicholson, um, like this suit, this like Al Capone suit and a Jack Nicholson um, mask, like really, really good, really expensive mask we made him pay for. And it looked like a human face. It was minging. And um, from that film, what's the film with a, you can't handle the truth with Tom Cruise, whatever it was called. A few Good Men. A few Good Men. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit in that where he's... You, Lieutenant Weinberg? Yeah, that, that one. So yeah. Jack Nicholson says something like, you want answers? That's what he says in it. <laughs> That's all. Our mate Doug. Doug was only allowed to say, you want answers for the whole night. You can't handle the truth. But he had a great night. He got lashed. He actually, he was, he was single at the time and he managed yeah. to, you know, pull, which is, he, had, he snubbed mm. someone pretty, which is really nice for him and her. Um, but all he said all night was, you want answers? It was class. Do you remember, um, we used to have a player um, at Saracens at... Uh, a Scottish hooker called Robbie Russell. Oh, the muscle. And, yeah, yeah. He was um, fancy dress. He was Mick Dundee. <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> and uh, I mean, we used to live by Islington. Yeah. And we got a taxi back. We lived in Hackney, Islington. but we called it Islington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we lived in Islington. We got a taxi back with with Robbie, and he used to drink and drink until yeah. You know, sometimes when you're drinking and you just find your way home like a homing pigeon. Yeah. He wouldn't. He'd carry on and carry on. So anyway. We, we're in a taxi on the way back. Robbie's there. He lived in Hampstead somewhere. We got out of the taxi oh, and right. we gave the driver 20 quid and said, he lives in Luton. Don't that's wake it. him up. <laughs> that's it. He lives, he lives so, in Luton by the bus depot. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so this taxi guy, this taxi guy <laughs> is driving Robbie to Luton. We've given him the money. Robbie wakes up, doesn't know where he is, gets the taxi man to stop. Gets no, mate, we the took car. the money out of Robbie's wallet and gave him the money out of Robbie's yeah, wallet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tax man stops the car because Robbie wakes up. He doesn't know where he is. We don't know where he is. <laughs> and he gets out of the car and he's looking around. And he doesn't have a clue. And he starts banging on this door, doesn't he? He starts banging on it yeah. to find out where he is. He's banging for ages and ages. And then all of a sudden... Some Snowing guy, as well, mind. Some guy, some guy yeah. comes down. And Robbie's going, you know where I am? You know where I am? Where well, yeah, am I? And the guy flattens him in the face, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he knocks him out. <laughs> he stresses Mick Dundee as well. Yeah, but we forgot. On Monday morning, we come into the club at Sarri's and I was like how'd you get on Saturday night you know and forgot what we'd done kind of thing didn't we and he's like mate I ended up like I don't know where the ass end of nowhere mate they're taxi driver what an ass <laughs> and he spewed he spewed it was awful anyway the taxi driver took all of his money out of his wallet and said you're gone mate uh, yeah that was good that was, that was good times but talking about um, kangaroo courts it's come up in the, on social media more than anything yeah uh, about wasps how could they do that uh, why I mean have... come on nah. it's not right is it what, they, right. they have a kangaroo court? Or, or... Yeah, grow up, guys. It's 2016. Yeah. Why can't you just have a nice drink with friends? Why do you need alcohol to have a good have time? quiz night or something like that. Quiz night. Go yeah. bowling, go paintballing or go-karting. No, obviously we're joking. Um, it's a massive part still of rugby and the, the social and the bonding. Yeah. And most teams, you know, filters from down up have, have some sort of court session at the end where you, you're drunk. Where basically, you have to drink for any fines that have gone on or any mishaps. Yeah, and... It's not always, I mean, I, I've been to a couple where, um, I mean, as a young player, we've discussed these already on the pod a couple mm. of times, but as a young player, you hear about all these sort of, uh, these initiations and things. I, I really think that there are the odd, odd initiation, but it's always like, right, down a pint and come and sit with the lads. It's What's the worst never... initiation you've had? Just, um, 
Initiation, I never really did initiations. Um, like having a salad or something like that. Yeah, it was like, right, you're not allowed to eat meat for three hours. Whole lettuce. Yeah, you joke, but we've actually got we've got pots of steak. Do you remember remember we had to bring a vegetable in to a court session, and everyone was being everyone bought a root vegetable. It was was it, and everyone had a carrot or onion, and it was quite funny. And I went and got massive marrow. Anyway, the reason you had to bring a root vegetable in is because you had to eat it. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you ate that marrow. Took me forever to eat the marrow. But I think the, the worst punishment I ever had, we spoke about this already, I think, was when I was forced to, every time you had to drink a pint, which was a lot, I had to have a pint of ice-cold Diet Coke. Yeah, that's right. Bruce. Right. Um, the worst one I'd probably done, well, it's not worse, but the, the one that I remember was um, pint of lager, pint of cider, pint of Guinness. Yeah, that's and not a, good. That's a brown bin bag. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good time. So no. I, I never had that. I never had the whole drink till you spew and drink. That's so I never did that because I didn't go to uni. Maybe that's why. But yeah. I do think that the the brutal initiations and everyone sort of spewing everywhere and hosing everywhere. I think that is generally reserved for amateur club rugby and uni rugby, and that's fine if they want to do it. But the, when even as a young eighteen year old, I was we had some, a few sort of you could call them initiations, but tasks set to us, and but we were treated well, and in turn. We, as a senior player, we treated the young boys really well. We treated them like scum. That is but, public school for you, though. <laughs> yeah. That is public school. We, treat, we treated the academy boys like scum, yeah. but it was all really good fun. So when they, we did kangaroo... You made them clean your boots and stuff like that, did you? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. But, but the kangaroo court of bath, I remember the couple that I was always... the, the hit judges. Like corky on the bum with a ruler. Like <laughs> yeah. We made the academy boys, they had to serve everyone's beer, so they were the poorers. Tommy had to wear his so hair and ponytail. <laughs> they dressed... They dressed as waitresses and served us, but they when they weren't serving, they had to sit underneath the table, okay. the judges' table, and just sit there. So we'd rest our feet on them, and it was all good fun. But we would we would also hand them down a load of pints, and they'd have a really good time, and they'd they'd stand up and object to our charges and make us drink, and it was all it was really really good fun. Occasionally, it ended up with was it black tie as well? Of course, it was. Yeah, it occasionally ended up with Ollie Barkley chilling someone, but they always deserved it. But anyway, this wasps saga. Yeah, they, they've hired out a boat. They've hired out a party boat. Yeah, um, to go on along the Thames. That says danger to me, mate, because there's water mm. and there's staff. And, there's and staff. alcohol. Well, there's alcohol, yeah, but there's alcohol in... But there's water, which you can get pushed into, Yeah, and it's cold and dangerous, and there's also staff who don't work for your club. But it sounds yeah. quite good, you know, a, a nightclub <coughs> going along the Excuse Thames. Um, and yeah. to start with, they've asked for no CCTV. Um, yeah. They've asked that to be switched off. Apparently, they legally, the, the boat or the company couldn't switch it off. And the Wasp boys have seemed to have had a bit of a good time, had a court session, probably offended some of the bar staff and some of the owners. And have since now there's some sort of internal investigation going on at Wasps to find out what went on. What went down. But no one was hurt. But it's one of those things that um, I remember it, it depends. The diff- it, I don't know what happened on this one, so maybe no, no one got offended. But, but I remember being on these, you know, it's the end of the season, you Say you play your last game on a Saturday, you go up on a Saturday night, you have Silly Sunday, Mad Monday, and if you're really up for it, you go tic-tac-toe and have twats Tuesday. I rarely made the Tuesday, to be honest with you. Really? Um, not really. Um, I'd rather walk the dogs and go three days on the road, to be honest. So, But we had certain personalities in our team. Super Sunday, we used to call it. Super Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah or Silly Sunday. But you, but if we go, you start at the club and you have a lock-in at the club and that sort of stuff, and then you go into town, invariably, in Bath, everyone knows everyone. Yeah. So you go to a pub near the wreck or whatever, and... If the lads there start, everyone's rowdy, everyone's having a good time. If the lads start being rude to members of the public or staff, no matter how many beers we'd had, 
almost every time, I'm sure there were times when it didn't happen, but almost every time there would be a Grucock or a Borthwick or yeah. believe it or not, a me sometimes saying, lads, leave, behave yourselves. Yeah. Behave yourselves. These are our friends. These are our supporters or they're just... It's nothing wrong with being loud and... Yeah. And, but as soon as you start throwing swear words in and you're around a family environment, it can be... And you've got, you got 40 massive blokes. Is that what happened to Henson? Henson, No. I think that was that was a version of senior player regulation. <laughs> that was okay. player regulation. He just went a bit far, and the <laughs> lads. He he went a bit far that night in all by one. I'm told because I, I'd retired by then, but I was doing some of the comm stuff at the club. Yeah, so yeah. I get a call from one of the players at about half ten. The lads are out, and he's, this lads come outside the pub, and he's like, "Flats, just so you know, this has happened." Um, but Gav's been a bit of a nightmare. We love him, but he's been a bit of a nightmare tonight on the beers and. In the end, someone just said, can someone shut him up, please? So Fernsey put him to sleep for a bit and it was fine. The next day, what's interesting about that, the next day, so Gavin Henson arrives at Bath and everyone's saying, why are you paying this guy? He's trouble. And there's all this talk that he's got a clause in his contract that says, you get into trouble once and you're gone. Yeah. So all, all the, co the common thought is he is getting sacked. Sacked in the morning. Anyway, I get in at about half eight the next morning, quite late for me because I'm a great guy and I get really early. Um, I get in and by then you've got Stuart Hooper who's the captain yes. and a couple of the other players are in the CEO is in he's in my office and they're kind of smiling about it and saying shame this got out um, but Stuart Hooper spoke to the players and all the players said we don't want him sacked we want him here we like him and the Bristol players evidently feel the same about him and they went to the coaches and said don't know if you're planning to sack him or not but we don't want you to we want you to keep him so it, him and Fernsey were buddies by the end of that night I expect it's, it's player like, power yeah, and, and, and you know... I suppose the moral of the story is, don't pick on a scouse, back row, known as uh, Dr. Sleep. <laughs> One-way one ticket to Sleepsville. Um, yeah, big error, picked on the wrong guy. But these, these courts happen. I think, I think it's all all right as long as everyone is, you know, this sounds a bit, bit dark, but everyone is consenting, so everyone's up for it. And if you're not up for it, that has to be okay. Mm. But also, as long as you're not abusing staff and that aren't aren't your friends and I, I think we don't know that Wasp were doing that so no. until we hear otherwise we give them the benefit of the doubt because the lads I know they're a good ones. So another good weekend of European action. Love European weekends. I do actually. I like so, the music. The only thing is there's so, <laughs> there's so much rugby on isn't there to watch. It's on every yeah. single channel. And it's you, can, you can watch every single game basically. Yeah. And it's difficult when you've got little kids screaming around you. I mean not for you because I send my family on holiday with that. That's, <laughs> they're the money earners for you. <laughs> but for people like me who've got proper jobs in the week. You know? Yeah, I mean, but it, equally, you you know, you do either the, the highlight show on Sunday with Brian and Craig mm. Doyle and it's, you have to have seen... I loved your demo, by the way. Do you like that? Yeah. Um, you were a defender. Brian, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Um, but well, um, for those of you who didn't see it, we did this defensive demo where Brian was Piatow and I was, a, believe it or not, a fat prop. Terrified of just had, he just had to stand there, and that was his role. Yeah, but stand then, there. But Brian defender. came forward, and I had to like, I, and I sort of went forward, and he was going to do the big handoff on the fence. Piatow's powerful, and I properly like tensed up for it because I thought Brian is a joker, and he's a sort of bloke that's going to try and knock me over on live telly. Yeah, he didn't actually. He played. He played the game, but um, yeah, but you, you have to see all the games, and you you spend a lot of time. So it's get back to your hotel at silly o'clock. And you've got a website we can go on to and we'll access the games. And you've got Ooh, to watch the highlights you know. of three or four games before you go to bed. Because otherwise you're going to get asked about them on live telly and you won't have seen them. So yeah. it's work, mate. It is work. Let's, uh, let's talk about the first game yeah. that, uh, that I heard you on, which was 
Edinburgh Queens. Yeah, the Challenge Cup. Yeah. What a uh, game that was. Brilliant. I mean, what, can I, what, what do you think of the atmosphere? Because it's obviously at Murrayfield. Oh. Um, As you Welsh boys brutal, say these it? days, it's terror. It's terror. That, it's is, that is one of my favourite stadiums full. Stadia. They, Stadia. Whatever. It's terrible. Um, when it's yeah. full, it's amazing. You've got the bagpipes. You, you know, they, they shut off the music for the last bit of um, Flower Scotland. They've got the jets flying over. Incredible. But when you play in Edinburgh there, soulless terrible to the point where not just uninspiring I go so far as to say detrimental and embarrassing I mean it's awful so they're, moved, they're moving grounds they're moving back yeah. to the old ground is it my side my side and it's like, anyway, your side your side they're my moving side. back there and they can't move back there quick enough I don't think I think they're moving back there in the next couple of but weeks but that actually. is probably the best game I've seen them play in a long time yeah and a lot of that um, speaking to Andy Nichol, who is legendary bloke. Great guy. Legendary bloke. Tells an amazing story about 2001 on the Lions tour. Does he? Can't do it justice on here, but... It'll be on YouTube somewhere, basic, Yeah, he's basically torn around with the Lions on a corporate gig. Yeah. Gets called up last minute. He's there for the anthems, for the yeah. final test. Um, but he tells it so well. Yeah. So it was a, it was a close call between him and... Gareth Edwards, <laughs> seventy by then. Yeah, yeah. he's a great, a great guy. So, um, speaking to guy, speaking to him and other guys around Edinburgh, it feels like under Alan Solomon's they were just. I mean, put simply, the most boring rugby team in the world. Mm. Um, they played a percentage game and they weren't particularly good at that. Now Duncan Hodges taken over, who was a really exciting player when he played. He's taken over and immediately they look freer. They look more aggressive. Um, and a guy, lad they had called Kinghorn at the back, a young, young 15. Great name. Yeah, really great Love name. Love it. Kinghorn, yeah. Hell of a name. Sounds and, like someone's just trying to make up a porn name. Yeah, it does. It? Yeah, it's Kinghorn. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like a ranch in Texas or something. But he, he was really, really good. Hoyland on the wing. 19 really years good. old as well. Yeah. He was classy, really classy. But it classy. was one of those games where there, were, there, were, there was lots of mistakes, lots of hand and errors, lots of turnovers. But the beauty of that is they all resulted in tries. Yeah, it's great. And, but this Kinghorn lad needs to quickly learn how to play on the wing because... He's playing fullback in Scotland at the same time as Stuart Hogg, yeah. and no one's close to him. For me, he's no. your Lions 15 all day long at the moment. Really? Yeah, mm. 100%. And Halfpenny's not fully he's not fully back yet and all that, and he kicks low at points, so maybe he will get the nod. But missed a couple of the weekend. I, yeah. I, I, I watched Stuart Hogg, and I just think, how do you not pick that guy? Yeah, no, he was. He was but it was a really, really good game. Loved it. Just to tie up the Challenge Cup now, um, NSA, the Dragons. Yeah. 38-18, so not, not just... By a little bit, by 20 points. Well, let's get Zebra out of the Champions Cup because respectfully, or this just whatever it is, that's pointless. Let's get Ense in there because they're causing a few problems and they got a few big mutes that are not massive, about. Yeah. Massive. I texted one of the boys uh, to see what happened and he just said they were out-muscled at scrum time, yeah. mall time, driving line out, a yeah. lot. And you know, it's, okay, that's kind of a bit Georgian and that'll only get you so far. But do you know what? It gets you a few wins. And when you've got a few wins, you have license to try something different. You have license long, to evolve. Yeah, but I wonder how long it takes for uh, um, urine samples to come back. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, these Russians are massive, aren't they? Oh. <laughs> does, 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 are it we, take, does it take more than two weeks? Are you, are you alleging, Tom, that there is systemised doping mm, in not, Russian rugby? <laughs> just sport in general. Yeah, no, we, we, um, um, I, I'm not suggesting we, that. Tom definitely is. <laughs> um, but I, I love that result I kind of that's disrespectful to the Dragons isn't it but it's the underdog winning and Worcester went out there and lost with a weakened team and I thought lads sort yourselves out but now bear in mind now Kingsley Jones has coached Russia before they would have seen that result against Worcester they brought out a fairly strong team yeah 
Um, it just can't be a nice place to go, can it? No, it's got to be horrible. It's got to be horrible. But it's the same for them, mate. It's the yeah. same for them. Same team, same pitch for both teams, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, same weather, both teams. Um, so, Champions Cup. Yes. The big, the big one. Um, how many times are people like me going to present Man of the Match trophies and call it the Heineken Cup? Happens every weekend. I didn't do it this weekend, purely because I didn't have to. Did you to pick do a Man of the Match? Um, did I pick a man of the match? Yes, I picked a man of the match in the Edinburgh game. Yes. And Rob Vickerman, the England former England Sevens yes. captain, was doing the reporting. He's brilliant. And um, he's really, really good. He's going to be doing that. He does a really good job, I think. And he's very bright. He's really he's good. Very, he's a very good uh, commentator on the yeah. Sevens as well. Yeah, he's great. And he should do a lot of 15s as well. Yeah. But it, and he will do, I'm sure. But um, he, he did it. And I was, I was just doing my best to find out before the game which I know the Quinns boys really well, but I know the Edinburgh boys less well, which of the Edinburgh boys speaks really crap English? Like, are there any um, foreign players? Are there any Islanders that don't speak English very comfortably on camera? So you um, have to interview him. Oh yeah, because he'd get mad at the match full stop and just absolutely stitch him up. But I couldn't in the end, there was no choice. Um, I, did, I did my very best to ruin his weekend. Um, but Champions Cup, some massive clashes, were they not? Munster, Glasgow. There was only going to be one winner, wasn't it? They were just brilliant. They were. And to lose Keith Earls, like on 18 minutes, yeah. I think it was, Yeah. to a red card. It was a red card. Definitely. A few people are saying that Fraser Brown deliberately tipped himself up to make it worse. I'm not having that. Are you? Well, if you... No. If that's the... You're in danger of just getting your shoulder... Breaking your neck. Sh yeah, everything. Of course you're not. Um, but would anyone have stopped Munster with the week they've had? No. When Earls got sent off, did you think they're going to lose this? No. Not at all, not at all. Because sometimes you get that situation where you lose a man early doors. It sort of galvanises the team a little bit. Doesn't I think it? how good you know, Glasgow you, you were last week. Try that bit harder. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were. And I don't think they'll have any complaints, um, no. Glasgow at all, about that. I think they'll just wipe that under the, the yeah. carpet. Um, Munster were always going to win that game, I think. They were brilliant. Um, they, they, weren't, they weren't just passionate. They were accurate and they were fierce. It was great. One stood out, Tyler Blaindale. Yeah, Bladenthal. That's the one. Yeah. Um, class, wouldn't he? They've waited a long time for him to get fit. Mm. You see why now? New Zealand under twenties. Yeah, but Keatley, they had Keatley, and he sort of kicked a couple of really important points. I think it was a penalty and a drop goal or something what, a season or two ago, and they thought he's the new Ronan. This is the answer. Yeah, yeah. But it hasn't quite worked out for him, Not sadly. Too. But Tyler Bladenthal, they've they've been sweating on this guy after a neck injury, and he was class. His kicking was gorgeous. He's very very dominant. Um, fly half in that he tells it, he sort of bullies his forwards around the field which forwards like and, yeah. but I must say when he when he gets caught the bottom of a ruck and held in they do lose their shape a bit yeah that's exactly what Brian O'Driscoll said last night so, so. that's that's what I told Brian O'Driscoll to say on the TV <laughs> well what else did Brian say I watched uh, <laughs> I watched the Saracens and Scarlet's game yeah um, roasted they, them yeah, yeah just men against boys your mate Mako best mate we were yeah um how, how, he's just, very well. how good is he? He's he's. Do you see the try he scored? Yeah. Show and go. See, see the offload out the back yeah. for the next try. I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I say something. There's, which there's no other prop I don't think that can do that in world rugby. I don't want to drift too lazily into hyperbole, but Dane I, Coles is probably the only person in the front row similar to Mako's skill set. Yeah, and he's and he's probably 25 kilos lighter. Yeah. Um, I think Mako is the best loose head in the world at the moment. Okay. See Joe Marler's tweet Boom, last night said it. or this morning. Joe Marler sent a tweet last night with a clip of Joe, of Mako's try. Yeah. And he said, "Mate, something like you taking the piss when you any thought about giving us the rest of us a chance, mate? You know, just brilliant, just applauding those sort of applauding emojis. It's like, yeah. how can you compete with that? And yeah. at the moment, no one can. Just got to big him up, haven't you? Big yeah. him up as much as you can. Knock hopefully, him down. Hopefully, he'll be knocked down. Knock him down. Put the pressure um, on his shoulders. You're the best. But 
Scott's defence was pretty woeful. I thought they pushed up so hard on the outside. They weren't hitting 10. Farrell, so by the time Farrell had the ball, the, the uh, Scott's defence had gone past him. He was just picking out runners. Fairly, fairly simple. And Nick Tompkins, late mm. replacement, wasn't he, for Brad Barrett? Mm. He looked really sharp. But you're right, they were speaking about it on commentary. You don't have time to get nervous or think about the game or overplay in your head. It's no. just, you just react. Brad Barrett's out, you put your kit on. You have a few little worries, but then you just go into autopilot because it's a game you've played all your life, so you know what to do. Yeah. And it was one of those games that just opened up for him. He was brilliant. And he suits Saracen's game style, doesn't he? Yeah. The way they play. He tweeted something like, um, don't quite know what happened today, but I think it was a good day. You know, something like that. And it's great. And what I liked about him, he's clearly quick. He's nimble. He, yeah. You know, he stood John Barkley up, which is not easy. I mean, absolutely roasted him in the midfield. So he's you got look, a lot. You look at that. There shouldn't be a hole there, should they? For him Samson Lee was, yeah, he was clocking off for a minute, wasn't he? Well, he's probably thinking about ferrets. You know, he keeps ferrets. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, I've got. I know a guy that keeps ferrets. He's quite special. Is Samson quite Is special? It maybe, maybe it's a prop thing. I mean, he used to. He's keep, not a prop. Used to keep gerbils, didn't you? <laughs> and Richard Gear. So. <laughs> where did where does he keep them anyway? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that there shouldn't have been a hole there. You're right. But what I liked about him is that he's coming for a Brad Barrett, and he's a different player from Brad. But he's still crashed and ball up hard and made hard yards. And if you're going to play that 12 jersey for Saris, you need to do that. Just needs a bit of gel in his hair, I thought. Apart from that, he, he needs solid. He needs to replace 30 to 50% of the bone and flesh around his face with scar tissue. Then he'll look like Brad mm. Barrett. Yeah, exactly. Um, I loved the Toulon's Wasps game. Did you? To, uh, Toulouse Wasps even, yeah. Did you? Why? Yeah. I just thought it was a proper, proper battle all mm. the way through. Mm. Real tough. I love the fact that. There was a bit of a hoo-ha at half-time with yeah. Dan Barr, Johan oh Maestri. Johan Maestri mustn't know who he is. No. Because Johan Maestri and Joe Takori got involved as well. They are two big mothers, those two. I don't think I've seen a bigger player than Joe Takori. He's enormous. Yeah, he's enormous. And he's really coordinated. And mobile. Yeah. And he can run. It sounds stupid, but like you, you watch him run, it doesn't look awkward. No, natural runner. Yeah. Just 130, 135 kilos, natural mm. runner, dangerous. But... We don't condone hoo-hahs in the tunnel and that sort of stuff, but Dan Barr, I tell you now, would have taken both of those two out at once. You'd be doing, like, I remember Dan Barr, he used to be fitness coach, he used to be player at Cardiff, Cardiff Blues, yeah. a fitness coach, and you'd just do, you'd be doing squats, and then you'd just come along when you're not looking and just shoulder press the bar. He yeah. is incredibly strong. And aggressive. Very aggressive. And, um, I've witnessed firsthand, very good at fighting. You get that, he gets that red mist. Yeah, you could see it come down, couldn't you? Yeah. He was gone, and luckily someone stepped in there, because you'd have had... A couple of international locks. His favourite thing used to be kickoffs. He just used to love kickoffs because yeah. if your ten could put it on the spot, missile, man and ball, he would just annihilate you. Um, but it but was a great game. It was heavy, heavy ball carrying from Toulouse, wasn't it? Also a heavy pitch. Yeah. Something they were talking about some sort of bugs on the pitch. Yeah. Um, that affected the grass over, but it was. It was a huge. You looked at Nathan Hughes at the end. He was broken. Yeah, he just manages to get over and score that try. Yeah. And what a kick from Gopeth. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. 20 all. Oh, um, it's, it's quite interesting because Cipriani tries things, doesn't he? And he, he tried that little grubber through, I think it was against Northampton. And the chip over the top five yards out and it yeah. worked. Gopeth try. Yeah. And what he was trying to do at the weekend, it was on. Yeah. It was massively on. It just it was poor execution and resulted in Toulouse scoring a try. But you take that away from him, you take it you take away. Yeah, and it was his, his it was game. actually Probably more of a charge down than he expected, yeah. actually. But the guys he's trying to chip over are Census Johnston, I think, Joe Takori. Yeah. Um, but they, he's trying to chip it over the top of some big popos who've been attacking phase after phase and who are knackered. And it, 
you know, it's if it doesn't work, it wasn't on. But I, you know, I said on the telly last night, it's difficult because that is an awful decision the way yeah. it's ended up. And you could argue that's cost on the game, but the win. But you know, we were applauding that endeavour a few weeks ago at Northampton. So let's remember that. Mm. You know, but I, the, the biggest. I suppose it's the balance and where they are in terms of the scoreline. It was a safer bet to kick, but that's just the player he is, and I don't think he'll ever change. I don't, but if you're Eddie Jones, yeah. I don't think you like that. No. Because Farrell doesn't do that. And no, I, he doesn't. You know, you're going to always be more conservative as a coach than a fan. I'll tell you who I was impressed with, Joe Simpson. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's quite easy for a, a nine to come off the bench and change a game because a lot of nines are different. They add a little bit of tempo, um, especially someone like Joe Simpson, who's going to make an impact. He's mm. probably better off coming off the bench than starting. He'd, he'd hate that, but it's probably true. But it's probably true. Yeah. Um, and he came on and just his pace and how fast he gets the ball away, how quick he gets the breakdowns, he's incredibly fit. Um, it, just seemed to, it just seemed to increase Wasp's speed and tempo of the game. Sitting with Brian O'Driscoll and watching that, you mm. get a different perspective because he's, you know, he knows a lot of stuff. Um, but also he just said, I don't. No, you don't. No. But he, he's just saying, he was like, watch his box kick technique. And I think, right, who's got the best technique in England? It's Richard Wigglesworth. Yeah. And for me, he has by a mile. He's brilliant. But Simpson's technique was brilliant. His box kicking was brilliant. So mm. actually... You know, as a starter, I think the arrival of Dan Robson has probably improved Joe Simpson's core skills. His Possibly. passing was razor sharp, service was quick, his box kicking was fantastic on the whole. So he's, I think, he's improved by Robson. And Eastman grew into the game as he got on and on. So that big, that um, he got bounced once by Jan Davi, but he yeah. took a, he took a line in the last few minutes, a proper hard line at twelve, like a back rows line, bulldozing through the middle, hard yards. I thought he actually played really well. I did like the look of um, Semi uh, Kunantani for yeah. Jim Weir. Yeah. Couldn't quite get that out then, could I? No. Um, did you fresh, see. Fresh off. The did Olympics. you see when they. Uh, Ross were like putting a, doing a move down the left, and I think it was Cipriani that gives it out, but the. but I can't say his name either. He, the Fijian winger. Kunantani. Kunantani was stuck in between sort of 13 and 11, didn't know where to go. So he didn't know whether to pop up for that pass or whatever. And in the end, he decides to like backtrack, but then the pass goes in front of him and he like sticks his legs out and tries to karate kick, like donkey kick the pass. It was bizarre. I was to that bit. But he was a massive factor in the try um, yeah. to lose scores. He, he looks massive. Yeah, big fella. And, and he moves. And um, the, the biggest moment in that match for me was not the Cipriani nudge. I suppose that equal biggest moment. It was the TMO not spotting that Bezzy, the scrum half, had not only deliberately tried to deliberately knock on, but had made contact with the yeah. ball that went, I think it was Gopeth inside to Guy Thompson, yeah. which was an absolute walk-in. A walk-in. Guy yeah, Thompson's left really, and right. Yeah, a walk-in. And they said there's no contact on the ball. Guy Thompson just dropped it. Absolutely not true. We're watching the replays and we can see, as the, as the TMO is going through the replays, we're sitting in the studio, we're looking at exactly what he's looking at. He's not out there with 80,000 people screaming at him or whatever it was, 30,000 people screaming at him. He's in a little room as well. And he sees one It's like, no, that's not the angle, that's not the angle. We see the angle from behind the Toulouse scrum half, Bezzy. Yeah. And you can see the ball and we're like, ah, oh, there it is. He's 100% touched it. That is yellow card, penalty try. And they just say, no, he didn't touch it. So, what? How can you not see that? Mm. I mean, I am, I'm loath to, to criticise ref because it doesn't get you anywhere but it is pretty We've painful. all been in that position whether it's in a game whether it's touch whether it's training whatever and yeah. you know when someone's touched the ball you could you could easily tell by Guy Thompson's reaction the reaction yeah. of all the players the ball was touched yeah. but they didn't spend long enough looking at 
one of the angles. They just, they they just kept looking at the angles. There, there, was, two, there was two or three, you couldn't see anything. Um, but you They know, kept the, repeating them. See, for me, the, the TMO has to make that decision because the ref is looking at it on the field at a screen above him, probably 80 yards away. The TMO was there. He's seen the re- replays you see. Mm. He should be making that decision. They didn't spend long enough looking at it because you could tell it was a try, but there just wasn't clear enough evidence and nor did they look at the replay that was clear yeah so yeah pretty pretty frustrating um did you watch uh, did you see sale toulon on friday night yes that was that was um well wasn't the best game actually no. but it was proper it was it was just a sort of a mutant a mutant toulon team who started out really powerfully and you thought oh geez this is going to be a route this and sale properly dug in and toulon's yeah. quality disappeared and I don't know what you think, but I'm watching them thinking they've got Francois Tranduc, who's a lovely player to watch when he's playing well, but he doesn't seem capable of controlling a game in whatever the conditions if they're not working for him, and they just look rudderless without Gitto there. They do. Uh, Gitto has to play 10 for him. Yeah. You, know, you, you, can't, I don't, you can't play Manonu and Gitto in the centres because they're too different. You know, both 12s. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can't so, put Nonu at 13, that wouldn't work. No, he's not a 13 at all. Conrad Smith played 13. He's, he's only really ever played. 12. He's a 12. He's a ball handler. He's a big hitter. Yeah. He hits great angles. So I think if you you have to play Gitto at 10. Mm. But he's a far better option than Tranduk. He really is. He's he's incredible. He's been one of their he's been their best player I think for three or four years now. Yeah, I agree and they just they just didn't look the same team without him. Now it's all changed there. So um but you can just tell can't you with uh, Toulon when they're trucking the ball up. They just get their shoulders through contact. Yeah. They get their arms free. They get over the game line, whether it be a metre, two metres. And then you look at Sale, Sale just getting mangled in contact. They get melted, aren't they, in contact? Mm. Yeah. And they dug in They dug in hard. They did right. They I did. mean, when yeah. they changed the front row, that helped a fair yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, did. and Lewis Roberts come on. And the big fridge. He yeah. did really well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I suppose he knows those boys, though. He knows them from his trip to France. Another good game. Um, very close weekend. Was... Oh, before we move on, let's talk. Let's all change it too long, because Diego Dominguez has been sacked as head coach and Mike Ford has now been given the head coach job it came win-win out win-win situation wasn't he yeah we said that didn't we last mm. week and you know without being too cynical um, it, it was pretty clear to me that you know I you, you hear Mike Ford say in the paper I think he said in the paper he's hanging on for a, a head a big job he's not going for an assistant coach job he wants to be a head coach somewhere and you see him appointed there when they're not in great form and Dominguez is being questioned mm. but who thought it was a good idea to hire Diego Dominguez? I mean, Murat Bujalal did the owner. This guy, honestly, he just, he outdoes himself, this guy, Bujalal. Diego Dominguez has never coached. No. So he's suave and handsome and he was a great player and he's a watch ambassador so he looks great and he's got lovely hair and I'm sure he's a great guy. But he's never coached. So you put him in charge of the, one of the biggest budget teams in the world, the best team in Europe. It's, or second best team in Europe or third or whatever they are. But, you know, it's just, it's just a bizarre decision and guess what? It didn't work. You know, it's like bringing... You lose Wilkinson, yeah. so you bring in Quay Cooper in the end, and it's like, you know, Quay Cooper's uber talented, but that's not what's got you success. You've got success by having a high quality, dependable, yeah. really, really efficient, all knowing 10. So that's what you need. You don't need a Maverick. That's not someone who's high risk. You know, it's not what that's not what's won them anything. And I it's just a ridiculous decision, but Mike Ford getting the top job was entirely predictable. I thought you were going to cry then. I'm really upset. Um, I'm not upset at all. Um, um, yeah. But anyway, Ulster 19, Exeter 18. Great what game. What a finish. Amazing, wasn't mm. it? Mm. Just when you think Steenson nailed it. Yeah. Paddy Jackson comes back. 
with a with a great drop kick. Mm. It was it was a good game all the way through. Um, Who was your man of the match? Same as everyone else. I think so. Has to be. Yeah. It's it's very rare that someone has it's a massive impact on a game from wing. Yeah. Like Charles Pietau did. They can score hat tricks without doing much yeah, else, can't they? Yeah. They hang on the wing. They can finish off tries. But he is everywhere. Like yeah. Uh, he plays 15, 13, wing. It doesn't matter. He's he's there's no real number on his back. I don't think. And he was incredible for the first half for sure. And it, bear in mind now he had two weeks off. Yeah. He come back and there was zero. Looked a bit cobwebs. fat. He looked a bit fat, didn't he? A bit dusty. Yeah. He's. he's I mean, it's another twenty percent left in him, isn't there? Of course there is. He, he just. Uh, I just look at him and think the All Blacks didn't pick him, mm. so he came here. Like, jeez. Another one like Casey Laulala was the same. Yeah. Couldn't believe he. You know, he only had a handful of caps for the All Blacks. And yeah. They didn't want to use him, so it's incredible. Yeah. Um, the players they've got. It's, a, it's unreal. That was a brilliant game and. I think Steenson, Steenson thought that last drop could have gone over, didn't it he? It did look the like wing it got good, it. Ah, but Chiefs were it's great. a long way out as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's a great match. I loved that match. Loved it. Um, did you watch um, any of Le- Leicester Tigers against Racing? Now, that was that was punchy. That was Leicester needing to deliver. It was Cockerell had said, right, we're rolling our sleeves up. That's right. We're getting into it. We're not taking a backward step. Especially after the drumming, the following. Yeah, the week before. Last week against yeah. Glasgow, wasn't it? Yeah, they were, and Tigers were good. Dan Cole. He's back, mate. He was, he's yeah. been back all season. He was really strong. He gave Eddie Benarus a really hard time up front. But Dan Carter, a couple of moments of brilliance. They were the saying about his shot, he had a bad shoulder, and all of a sudden then he breaks free, scores a lovely try. Yeah, beats a couple of tackles. Steps uh, Toulouse Veinu, who's almost unsteppable. He should have scored a try, though, on the right-hand side. Yes. Just short, wasn't it? Yeah. If he'd, if he'd hung on to it a bit longer. Yeah, he, exactly. He did have got on the telly last night. If he'd just hung on to it, you can see why he didn't. He's trying to place it out, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, Mate, when I see guys tr- reach out with their arm and try and place it, I, all I think about is dislocated shoulders. Yeah. Oh, I remember Alan Sterling Quinlan. Mortlock did it. Alan Quinlan. Oh. Another one, wasn't he? Oh, I did it, but not scoring a try. I did it diving on a ball once and it just came out. And I missed it. Someone else got it. <laughs> it's a bit late. It gone before I hit the ground. What, dislocated shoulder? Yeah. Sore, isn't it? I got on with it. Put it back in. Didn't even come off. No. Mind you, I had an operation two days later and didn't play for 10 months. But I should have come off, really. Yeah. Um, um, Freddie Burns, lovely intercept for that try. Yeah. I like seeing Freddie so do well. well. I'm a bit biased, actually. I'm, I try, I'm as neutral as I can be on the telly, but I'm a bit biased. I will, if Freddie's crap, I will say so. Yeah. But I've just known him since he was young, since he was at school and in, when I was playing at Bath. He's Bath born and bred. And Is he? Yeah, I, I still... And it, the, Bur- the Burns boys, the Burns family are big in Bath. They're, yeah. They're just lovely, lovely people, all of them. And... Um, they carve up on a night out as well, those boys, you can imagine. But although Freddie Burns does look exactly like Colonel Gaddafi. If you Google that, it looks it's weird, weirdly identical. Um yeah, but, it does. But he still he still does well. But it's uh I, I always thought that one of the big mistakes Bath made, I mean every club makes mistakes. So It also looks a little bit like Michael Douglas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Addicted to sex, wasn't he? Mm. You had a bit of that, didn't you? <laughs> Late nineties. That's why I met him. <laughs> Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, so it's nothing worse than addiction when you actually can't get hold of what you're addicted to. Anyway, I used to love basic instinct. Anyway, yeah, I bet you did. Um, I got caught by my mum watching that when I wasn't allowed when I was a kid. She never got over it. But Freddie is an interesting one because he, the, the, the kind of the story goes, he was an academy player at Bath when Bath didn't have a proper what you call a professional academy. It's just some young kids that sometimes turn up, whatever it was, and he was super talented, and we all thought he was brilliant, and yeah. we really liked him, and he goes to meet the club about a first team contract and one of the academy coaches turns up and Steve Meehan who's our head coach then doesn't turn up this is the story whether it's true doesn't turn up no one turns up 
and they're kind of like, yeah, well, well you can have a three-year contract on nine pound a week if you want, or like whatever. Yeah. He's like, right. Um, I was hoping this is a really big meeting. I was really nervous about it. Like he put his best clothes on and all that, smart trousers. Took his dad and his agent and all that, and no one turned up. And then he goes to Gloucester and there's Dean Ryan, Brian Redpath, we really want you here. And he leaves and goes to Gloucester and Bath lost him. And I still, I would saying it makes me sad he's pushing it, but I mm. one day would love to see him back at Bath. He's, he's a good fellow. I like to see him do well like that. And he plays well. Yeah. So let's have a look at some questions. Yes, let's, David. <laughs> let's, you're so excited. He's excited because we just took a break and uh, we've just eaten. Yeah. And he's got loads of energy back. Um, he was looking a bit pallid. He's got a bit of colour back in his cheeks now. We had these. Um, we had a bit of steak with Thai sauce and salad, and we had some um, some chicken with some sweet potatoes. Um, and you had a third. I had a third. Was that dessert? That was my dessert. That was um, yeah, parmesan and oat baked chicken breast. Yeah, but you've got more sort of muscle. I'm running uh, a big rig over here, mate. Com- ratio compared to me, haven't you? I'm running a big rig yeah. over here. Mm. Yeah. So I've done this thing where. Um, you know, like James Haskell and people like that who are actually properly professional, they prepare all their meals, meal prep, they call it, and they take their little meals everywhere in little cartons and they're always ready. And oh, I see people like that. I just think, oh, wow. I think live life a bit, but Haskell is in great shape. So I've been thinking about it for ages, not because I want to suddenly develop a six-pack that's probably not even there, but because I snack on loads of unhealthy stuff and I barbecue too much. So I actually looked into a few of these um, sort of meal prep websites and companies and they just deliver you order what you want and they deliver like boxed up really amazing ready cooked food to your door so you got they do it once or twice a week so it stays pretty fresh and what you don't like you don't have again what you want more of you get more of they new menu every week for these companies and you start looking at the prices and i was like i first looked at the prices and i was like oh my god i'm not paying that and then my wife said just have a look at our food bills for like a month what we actually spend on food when you're not eating out and what we spend on my food is absolutely astronomical. So at the moment, I've got loads of really nice food in my fridge. I don't waste any of it. And I'm actually saving money. Ah, oh, mate, I, I really enjoyed that short story. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, They're called Fit Cuisine. You should look them up. I mean, look how fit I am. I've only been doing it a couple of weeks, to be fair. Yeah, but you have been trained to be sevens fit as well. Yeah, Let's not forget that. Fit. Let's not forget that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't want to go on about it, but I'm in incredible shape. Anyway, so... Questions. The first question's on Twitter from Boona Gosling. Um, great what, name. Great name. What's the most outrageous rugby rumour you've heard? I once got told that Tony Brown, who played fly half for the Highlanders, yeah. had a fake hand. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> totally false. I love that question. I love that rumour. Like Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely, he didn't have a fake hand, mate. I know. <laughs> he had a real one. That's just a little bit smaller. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. That's a great one. I, <laughs> I love that. I, I mean, remember once, this is... This is not. This is what late nineties or whatever it was. We were at Sarri's, Tommy, and we signed Abdel Benazi, Ab- yeah. Abdelatif Benazi, who was just an absolute legend, Moroccan, French, French Moroccan back Massive rower, bloke, second row back row. He was a bit of white in his head, didn't he? Little, yeah, little, little, little poo. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> he was unbelievable. Machine, player. wasn't Machine. he? Machine. Like didn't lift any weights. No. Didn't speak much English. But he was a monster. Like, and he was captain as well. So imagine that with no English yeah. doing the team talks. Me, I play. Yeah. Him. Yeah, it's a war. He play. Yeah, and he remember he used to walk and he was like really passionate before <laughs> matches, like passionate team talks. But smash you on the chest as well, he wouldn't hit he? You, and then he used to slap you and hit you. And it was he's so big. 
Mm-hmm. And then one day he like whacked Chris Chesney in the chest. He punt. He used to say, "I need you and you." And he's, we had the. It's not Borat, by the way. <laughs> I need you. That's exactly how he spoke. I need you, Flatsy. And your chairs, I need your chairs, and hit chairs, and chairs went down. He's <laughs> like, oh, you twat! He's like, you prick! Oh, thank you, please. <laughs> Excuse my language. Oh, I whacked him. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, when we signed him, they were like, we we just thought, oh, awesome, we've signed Abdel Benazi, what a legend! And um, one of the coaches, I can't remember quite who it was, one of, one of the coaches at Saudi, one of the management, sat a load of us down and said, look, we know there are rumours about Abdel being gay. Mm-hmm. And we're like, really? Yeah, now look, he might be or he might not, but we want him treated like everyone else. And we were like, mate, we couldn't give a toss if he's gay or not. Like, we, no one's bothered. But it was like, this coach was from a different generation. He thought this was going to cause a rift. It was like, mate, we're not asked. So he got there and the first thing Ches does, Abdul, are you gay, mate? You're straight. <laughs> no, bother, mate. Just tell us the truth. And he's like, no, I like ladies. All right, cool, mate. Whatever. No, whatever, mate. It's fine. Whatever. I like ladies. Yeah, I like ladies. Yeah, whatever, mate. It's fine. We didn't care. A great bloke. A great bloke. And that was, that, was a, that was a rumour that everyone thought was vicious, but no one actually gave it to us. No, not at all. No one cares, do they? Uh, there's been a couple of rumours about James Hook. Uh, did he have an affair with Warren Gatlin's wife? <laughs> obviously, obviously, because he wasn't picked. So, uh, no, he wasn't at all. I yeah, people I mean, thought that because it's, it's a great rumour. He wasn't getting selected for Wales. Categor- it is a great rumour. Categorically untrue, but um, well, I'll go around rumor. saying, yeah, that's flat out what happened. Was that? Is it a rumour? Have you just started that rumour now? No, it has been a rumour. Okay, okay. Um, right, Flats and Shanks. This is from Andrew, aka the Spandex Warrior, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, you only have time for two courses. Do you have a starter and dessert? Do you have a starter or dessert with your main course? You can't have two mains flats, he says to me. I'll, I'll decide, mate. This is important, actually. Okay, um, sure, I'll go first. So I don't really have much of a, a sweet tooth. I'm more savoury. So if the, if the dessert is cheese, I'm going main and dessert. Mm. If it is a sweet dessert, I'm going starter and main. Okay. Um, what about you? I mean... I'm glad he, oh, if he hadn't put in brackets, you can't have two mains. I would have had two mains. I'll go main and put put. I like put put. Mm. And my mate, mate, nice put puts. Especially now you've uh, got over your anorexia. So I, don't. I want those rumours stopped. That's another rumour I want stopped. <laughs> uh, right. This is from Owen George on email. Hi, lads. Hiya. Question for the show. Okay. Everyone loves a bit of tackle. What's the biggest hit or try saver you made in your careers? Owen, kiss, kiss, kiss. Save the kisses, Chief. Don't need those. I mean, you being a prop, you would have had quite a few head-ons in your time. Um, so big hits are probably more so for you. But in terms of you being in the open space on the savannah, <laughs> yeah. and you've got a big gazelle running at you. In the wilds. Yeah. Um, when you mowed down Epi Tayoni. Oh, God, I hope you weren't going to bring that up. What a moment. You just kept your shoulders square. You forced him into touch. You made the hit. Tom, I used the touch line and I used my angle and my natural pace that people didn't know I had back then. Mm. And admittedly, that, you know, it wasn't I around mean, for so long. You, you could have been probably the first hybrid of, uh, of this generation. Could have been, yeah. Backs or forwards. Politics kept me back, but I, I, I nailed that big mutant, didn't mm. I? Got, mm. him, got him good. We grabbed his shirt and jumped on the floor. Yeah, no, I, remember, I remember you showing me. Uh, I remember we played... Um, yeah, we, we played... Um, Wales, AV, England, and Wrexham. I'm like, you can't lie, and I buried you. <laughs> yeah, oh, you've gone on and on about how you buried me. Buried him, brutal. And then we... Uh, oh, oh, medic, medic. He was shouting. And then we saw the VHS after, didn't we? Yeah, God, it's brutal. And, uh, yeah. I thought I was going to get nicked after the game. It was that bad. It was a negative tackle for David <laughs> Flatman. I mean, he did bring me down. 
But... Um, I know what you. I know what your tackle is because you. As soon as we got this question in in preparation for this podcast, Shanks had it saved on his phone and went to show me it. So what was it then? Bergamasco, Mirko Bergamasco, the Burgermaster. The Burgermaster. It's on YouTube. You know, if you want to search for it. How many views? Four. All for T. Shanklin. Too many. Too many. They might have to take it offline. Mm. Um, just get him up in the air. Get him back. Win the turnover. Get on with it. Yeah, you nailed him. Yeah, I'm not right. one of those who wants to be praised. No, you're not. You don't seek it, do you? No, uh, we've got a question from Adam. Okay. Um, Adam Marsland, I think it is, um, okay. on email. Um, Richard Cockrell, full stop. Aaron Major, full stop. Time for both to be sacked? I'm presuming this was sent before they played Racing at the weekend. Probably sent straight after they lost to Glasgow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before, haven't we? It hasn't been the greatest start to their season. Um, and they aren't the same team as Lesser of old, but how tough is it to keep up that reign when you've, you've been at the top for so long? You look at Man U now, you know, a, t- a team struggling. But certainly with Aaron Major, I think they've got the right person um, in charge of the defence. He was a great player. Attack, um, attack, you mean? Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. What did I say? You said defence. Sometimes I chuck out red herons to make sure we're awake. <laughs> well done, you've passed. Uh, they are missing their most potent, I think, attacking weapon in Tuolangi. Not yeah. been fit for a long time, has he? No. And he certainly makes a difference when he's on the field. So I don't think there's anything too much to worry about right now. I, how can you get rid of Richard Cockrell? He's the heartbeat of the, of yeah, the team. You don't. You don't. And um, what well, interesting, Toulouse... When Guy Noves was at Toulouse, I think I'm right in saying they never didn't make the top four or it wasn't until the last year they made something like that. But they are always in yeah. sort of playoff territory. And I think when you start talking about Leicester being in trouble, you start it's, it's that's got to come off the back of them not making the playoffs. And if I had 50 quid spare, I would not put it on Leicester not making the playoffs because no. I expect they're going to be there. So I think that they're a team that can operate below par and still grind out wins when they have to and do enough. So yeah, uh, Teams that are struggling a little bit at the moment are likes of Northampton and Harlequins. Really struggling. You are, yeah. Quinns, Quinns played some lovely stuff. They just turned over loads of ball they in the do, first half. They? But mm. they, they pulled some big performances out against Saints, against Saros. They pulled some big games out. Mm, you forget that win against Saracens, don't you? A great win, that. Yeah. And, but I, but I, I think in, in terms of Leicester Tigers, firstly, no, don't sack anyone. Um no way but I, I Aaron, it's interesting the whole Aaron Major attack thing I think there are some we, we're privy at you know at BT and whatever privy to some really interesting stats and we're all well aware that stats only tell you so much but the stats actually don't show that Leicester's attack has improved particularly since his arrival I think there was an initial spike but I think it just takes time and you've got the right guy you stick with the right guy that's why you know I've got no idea what went on inside Saints but I, I'd rather like Alex King not to have been given the boot because i Little I know suggests to me that given time, he's bright enough to fix things. But um, yeah, possibly. Um, we got one from Scott Walker on Twitter um, at Hootsman. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's question: subs run over in dead ball area to celebrate tries and trampling over opposition. It happened in the Exeter and Wasps game. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, to start with, subs are going to warm up in the dead ball area. It's the only place they've got to warm up. So yeah. if a try scored and they're there, of course they're going to celebrate. But yeah. it's like the conversation we had uh, a few weeks ago about Saracens over-celebrating when players are on the floor and the opposition again trampled them because the, the boys just want to celebrate and whoop and jupe and stuff. And I suppose that's what's happened here is there's been a try, the subs have run over the try scorer and trampled on 
a defender. Yeah. I yeah, I, I think it's just about is there, I mean, is, is there any such thing as over celebration? Probably, but I mean, you've got to go a long way to over celebrate. I think I think it's great when your mates join in and everyone has a big bundle and they're happy. Mm. I think that's great and um it's not my style, but I think I I love seeing it. I love seeing that togetherness and the boys sort of everyone love everyone kind of stuff. But I do what I would like to see is when there are defenders on the floor, I would just ideal world. Maybe it's asking too much in the moment. I don't think it is to see someone be gentlemanly and say up you get chief, yeah, well, pal, and uh, you know watch out the way boys. He's still on the floor. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. I I, lo- I love the celebration of the subs. No issue with that. Um, but I, they should get involved too. But just be just be nice about it. That's what I was Another saying. question on Twitter from Craig Webster: um, Why do dogs have lips? It's a good point. Good, yeah, good question, Webby. Do you know what noise a cow would make if it didn't have any lips? Ooh. Ooh. Do you know why Edward Woodward's got four D's in his name? If he didn't, it'd be called Ewa Woo Woo. Mm. Think about it. I, I, the other day at this dinner, um, this lunch, John Bentley was telling loads of jokes. Very yeah. very funny. And one that made me laugh because you know you hear a lot of these jokes before. And with someone as talented as someone like John Bentley, yeah. it doesn't matter if you've heard them before, they still make you laugh. But it's I'd heard this one before. Someone shouted out about, he mentioned something Welsh about the Welsh people in the room and it's all it's all really nice. And someone shouted out, you know, sheep shaggers, really original. And no one laughed, you know. And he said, you know, the, the Welsh have actually found two new uses for the sheep now, meat and wool. <laughs> it was brilliant. And on a podcast, it might not sound that funny, in a room with 500 drunk people in it, it was Terror. genius. And the, the Welshies in the room, Shane Williams was there, he was loving it as well. It's very, very funny. Okay. Do you want to do another one? We got a question from someone, uh, from Natty Auckland uh, okay. on email. And I know Natty because he's one of my, um, one of my CrossFit bros. Uh, yeah, he's like a coach. You're down in the cult, there. are you, with him? Yeah, but I'm part of the cult. Only. Go for a cheeky Nando's. For me, for me, it's CrossFat. For him, it's CrossFit. Mm. He's a lovely man who has asked the um, most negative question we've received in eight weeks, which you don't know him, and at home you don't know him. Shanks, you don't know him, and you guys at home don't know him either. This is about the most negative man I've ever met, apart from Gethin Jenkins. And his question is, which player has been the biggest disappointment for you this season? And that is a really interesting question, because apart from, obviously, Pogba, yeah. t- terrible... Um, I can't. I can't quite think of anyone who's really disappointed me. I've expected loads of and not been, and not delivered. I mean, Pika Moles is in a Northampton team that's not doing a job, not playing well at all, really. But he's brilliant. He's playing really, really well. You can't really single anyone out and say they've been terrible. I'm happy to. But I just don't think there is anyone. Cipriani made a horrible error at the weekend, but he's been brilliant and he did brilliant stuff in that game. Uh, Toby Falatau hasn't delivered because he's injured. Can we have a go at him for that? Yeah. Um, got injured. So I don't know. I've, I'm, I'm kind of up for it. I'm, now we're in the mood, and you know. We'll have a think now. We've had a nice lunch. I'm, I want to stick the knife into someone, Tommy. That's what I want to do. Oh yeah, someone asked. Hang on, we'll, we'll find it in a minute. But it is what venue has the best post-match meal, mm. basically, um, and that is the sort of thing. It sounds ridiculous, but it's not. There's not a lot worse. You put a lot of effort in. You shower up. You get all your strapping done. All your um, completely legal TUE exempt jabs, wherever they are, get all those done and you walk in and there's just a load of rubbish food that no one's put any effort or money into at all. Mm. And it breaks you and you just think, come on lads, make the effort. But the best I ever had, Montpellier away. Really? Oh my God. Oh my God. So I had to play tight head, load of injuries. Here we go, set the scene. It's a Friday night in France. 
Really heavy pitch, brutal, heavy, crap pitch, like a mud bath. I had to play tight head, which I didn't like doing because um, no. I was crap at it. They had a massive pack and we were... Are you gone then? You've got something to say? Sean Hughes. Hughesy. Asked this question. Hughesy yeah. asked this on Twitter, was it? Mm-hmm. Well done, Hughesy. Um, so I'd played, and I was right before the game, I was thinking, oh man, not that I don't want to be here, but this is going to be grim. I'll dig yeah. in, but it's going to be grim. I had Danny Grucott behind me, which made you a lot safer because he's so strong and all that. Um, and if they're, if they're really dominating you, there's a good chance they'll get chinned at some point and distracted, which okay. is handy. Yeah. Half, uh, halfway through the warm up, pull my hamstring. I think I can't play. And they say, mate, you've got to play. There's no one else. So I'm like, right, just strap it up and I'll try not to sprint for 80 minutes. And okay. I didn't, and I, I believe it or not, I managed it. Didn't miss any tackles. Don't think I made any, but got through it. And the scrum went well, somehow, complete accident. And after the game, I was just broken, man. Well, you won man of the match without touching the ball. Man well of the match without touching the ball. Well it, was, it was brutal night, horrible weather as well. We won, scrum went well, and just walked, I walked into the post-match function thinking I'm just going to get in and out here because you have to show your face. Yeah. I'm in and out, I'm walking in, I'm getting going to grab a beer, take it on the bus, and I'm asleep, back to the hotel. I walked in and, oh my God, this little marquee. It was like Dan Bilzerian had put a Like party heaven. Up. Like heaven. That's what I imagine just it would be like. gorgeous, gorgeous human being serving food. So like every male or female mm, that was serving yeah. food, it was like they got a model agency. Their service was crap, they looked amazing. But the food, there was champagne as soon as you walked in. Champagne, Prosecco, ice beers, all this seafood, amazing steaks cooked in front of you. Yeah. All these locally made sausages like salamis, oh, chorizos. It was, when I left, mate, I couldn't eat or drink any tissue. Honestly. Drill it now. The, light, the lights came on. It was proper, like, lights came on. Can you leave, please? And we just couldn't move. And it turns out they do an award every year for the best post-match food in the French leagues. And Montpellier yeah. wins it all the time. I'll yeah. tell you the worst. There's been a couple, actually. I mean, to start with... For some reason, I always used to want a can of Coke after um, after a game. Just I mean, that, other brands of fizzy drink are available. They're just not as tasty. Just wanted that sugar. Yeah. And, that, and I used to put it in the fridge, in the changing room, and someone would always nick it and drink yeah. it. It used to piss me right off. Because um, you want it cold, don't you? You don't want mm. a warm can. If it's shiny and it's new, the, the Welsh will have it, won't they? Argentina, normally pretty good for food. You know, you've got yeah. to Buenos Aires, you've got steak for breakfast, steak for lunch, steak for dinner. Yeah. We, we went to a place called Tucuman. Mm. Um, you know, sticks and they explained to us before that the food wouldn't be great so we had to take loads of bars and stuff and sweets and everything with us but they came out and they were serving thumb soup what? yeah well, so they're carrying the soup and their thumbs were in the soup <laughs> as they were delivering completely all their, all their thumbs were wet with soup because they were holding the, the dish with their thumbs in it and it was terrible food there um, Stade Francais yeah, wasn't, terrible. Wasn't the great? I think they gave us Paragua, and I'm sure you'd quite like that, wouldn't you? Um, I like the taste of it, but now I know how it's made. I don't eat it. But, yeah, but yeah. you know, but that's not what you want to eat after. I, I want to have something beige. It's got to be beige. It's got to be like pasty chips, uh, sausage roll. Did you go? Did you go to the Roland Garros Centre, the big tennis ground for your no. post match at the Stad? We went there and we like this is going to be awesome. Absolutely rubbish. Really? A budget. Absolute budget. You wouldn't expect that over there, would you? But I'd rather I'd rather have something cheap and nasty than like a, a four course or seven course taster menu in a reception room after. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, as long as the alcohol's free, I don't care. Yeah, exactly, mate. We're all lads, aren't we? On tour, on kangaroo courts, on boats. Um, have we got any more questions, or should we call it a Doris day? Because I want to talk about you, but I want to beat the traffic. It's a it's two and a half minute journey home from here. I've got loads of stuff to do. Yeah, it's fine. We'll end it there. Yeah. Um, how do people contact us, mate? Well, you know, don't you? On Twitter, 
at Flats and Shanks. Yeah. Our website, which is flatsandshanks.com. What's our email? Big test now for you. Contact at flatsandshanks.com. Perfect. Correct. And Facebook, Facebook as well. And hey, I, I don't know how this works. You might know, Tommy. I don't know. But if you fancy it and you've got three minutes spare or 30 seconds spare, why not review us on iTunes? Because apparently it really helps. I only know that because I listen to Malcolm Gladwell's uh, podcast, which is the best podcast ever. And he says it at the end. And if he says it, it must be a Yeah, review too. it. But just make sure you give us five stars. Yeah, if you're going to give us anything less than four, then do one because we're not interested and we're not mates anymore. Okay? All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.